Today we meet in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 1 to verse 22. The birth of the prophet's second son as a sign, the prediction of a serious invasion of Emmanuel's land. Chapter 7 all the way to chapter 12 constitute a series of prophecies given during the reign of Ahaz. Some have attempted to identify the virgin son of chapter 7 with the prophet's son in chapter 8. Well, the names preclude that possibility, and the additional information in chapter 9 makes it an impossibility for the two to be identical. The prophet's son is a sign, according to verse 18. This chapter is rather significant, as it contains the prediction of the invasion of Emmanuel's land by the king of Assyria. God had kept the flood tide of foreign invasions walled off from his people for over 500 years. Now he opens the floodgates and permits an enemy to cover the land like a flood. The people are looking to a confederacy rather than looking to God for help. They are looking for other nations to come into an alliance with instead of going to God. This chapter concludes with a warning against spiritualism as the last resort of people who have rejected God's counsel and turned in desperation to satanic world. The end will be trouble, darkness, and anguish. First, let us look at the birth of the prophet's second son as a sign. Isaiah 8 verse 1 Moreover, the Lord said to me, Take a large scroll and write on it with a man's pen concerning Mahashalal Hashbez. Now, if you thought that Shea Jashab was a strange name for a boy, try this one for size, my friend. Mahashalal Hashbaz is a remarkable name for a boy in any language, my friend. There is a reason, however, why God wants Isaiah to give his sons these unusual names. The reason is found in verse 18, which says, Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. You see, both sons are signs and their names carry a message. Mahashala Hashbaz means hasten boot or speed prey. So this simply means that God is against those who are against his people. Paul put it like this, if God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8 verse 31. So this boy's name is also a message for Ahaz, the man on the throne. He is a godless man and God is trying to reach him now. He tells Isaiah to get a great tablet and write on it with a man's pen or the stylus of a frail mortal man. He is then to hang it up in a prominent place like a billboard so that everyone can read it. You see, God wants this boy's name written down so that the most humble person in the kingdom will see it and read it and understand it. 
What is God doing? God is reaching to us. First through Isaiah's first son, Shea Jashab, a remnant shall return. And then through Mahashal Hashbaz, hasten boot, speed, pray. This second son's name is to assure Ahaz that God will take care of the enemies of his people. Isaiah 8 verse 2 And I will take for myself faithful witnesses to record, Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Jeberekia. Uriah means Jehovah is my light. Zechariah means Jehovah remembers. Jeberekia means Jehovah will bless. Now, this is an interesting combination, isn't it? Thus, the one witness says, by his name, Jehovah is my light. And the other said, Jehovah's purpose is to bless. The offspring of these is the grace of God. That is, he will never forget his people. In all of Isaiah's actions, there is a message for the people. He is acting out and writing out his message so that the people will understand. The book of Isaiah is a picture parable, my friend. Our Lord Jesus used this same method as well. The reason is that people will look at a picture. Because God knows the inclination of many kind. He tries to get a message across to these people by using a picture. Then I went to the prophetess, and she conceived and bore a son. Then the Lord said to me, Call his name Mahashala Hashbaz. Isaiah 8 verse 3. Of course, the prophetess in this verse is Isaiah's wife, Mrs. Isaiah, if you like. She conceives and bears a son, and the child's name is given to him before he is born. For before the child shall have knowledge to cry, my father and my mother, the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be taken away before the king of Assyria. Isaiah 8 verse 4. You see, before this child is able to say mommy or daddy, the Assyrians will invade Syria and Samaria. The enemy in the north that is planning to come against Judah is going to be taken away into captivity. It will not be due to the brilliant military ability of Ahaz to work out a strategy that will bring victory. The victory will be due to the sovereign grace of God. God is making this perfectly clear. Even the names of the children are saying it. The actual fulfillment of this prophecy took place when Damascus was captured by the Assyrians in B.C. 732. And Israel ceased to be a kingdom in B.C. 722. Here is Isaiah 8 verse 5 to verse 7. The Lord also spoke to me again, saying, Inasmuch as these people refused the waters of Shiloh that flow softly, and rejoice in Rezin and in Remaliah's son, now therefore, behold, the Lord brings up over them the waters of the river, strong and mighty, the king of Assyria, and all his glory. He will go up over all his channels, and go over all his banks. Now, 
Shiloh is the name of the brook at the foot of Mount Zion, and it symbolized divine protection and help. Because Judah had refused these, she would experience the flood of waters of the mighty Euphrates, that is the destructive powers of the Assyrians. This is another remarkable passage of scripture, my friend. The people refused the peace God offered them, a peace here typified by this gentle rippling brook. In contrast, we see in verse 7, the waters of the river strong and mighty. These waters came down like a flood. In other words, the flood waters of the Euphrates represents the judgment of God and they are contrasted with the gentle waters of Shiloh. God is giving a message to his people through these two rivers, the little river Shiloh and the mighty waters of Euphrates. Shiloh is a softly flowing little spring. It doesn't amount too much today, but it actually did in Isaiah's day. It flows between Mount Zion and Mount Moriah. This is a message in that little stream, a message that you will hear if you have a blood-tipped ear, my friend. It is a message sweeter than the rippling music of the stream itself. It is the story of grace, of Mount Zion, which stands in contrast to Mount Sinai, which is symbolic of the Mosaic law. Mount Moriah is where Abraham offered his son, where David brought the threshing floor of Arauna, and where Solomon put up the temple. And down at the end of that great shaft of rocks is Golgotha, where Christ was crucified. This speaks of grace, grace, grace. Moriah is where God provided himself a lamb. He spared Abraham's son, but he did not spare his own son. So here God is speaking grace to this man Ahaz. He is saying to him, I will spare you if only you will turn to me. He will pass through Judah. He will overflow and pass over. He will reach up to the neck and the threshing out of his wings will fill the breath of your land, O Emmanuel. Isaiah 8 verse 8. You see, God will permit Assyrians to overflow the land of Judah, but he will never permit them to take Judah, God's mighty protection. Now we move on to the pronouncement against a confederacy as a substitute for God. Isaiah 8 verse 9 Be shattered, all you peoples, and be broken in pieces. Give ear, all you from far countries. Gird yourself, but be broken in pieces. Now this is a warning against nations who form an alliance against God's land. Beginning with Isaiah 13, we are going to have a series of messages to the nations that were contiguous to Israel, or at least that had dealings with them in that day, and we will find the judgment of God will come upon them. That section, which goes all the way from Isaiah 13 to Isaiah 35, is a most remarkable section in God's word. Most of it is fulfilled prophecy today. 
God says that the nations will never deter his purpose on the earth. It is interesting that the nations of the world no longer seek the wisdom or the counsel from God. And God does have a purpose, and his purpose will prevail. If a nation goes in another direction, judgment will come upon it. Here is Isaiah chapter 8, verse 10 to verse 12. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak the word, but it will not stand, for God is with us. For the Lord spoke thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not say a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy, nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. You see here, Judah is not to be alarmed by the confederacy or the conspiracy of Syria and Samaria. Fear had caused those in the north to unite and God urges his people not to be afraid of their threats. In other words, they are not to turn to an ally among the nations, which probably would have been Egypt. Egypt will not help. Later on, they will ally themselves with Egypt, which brings great tragedy to the land. The people had developed a fear but refused to see God at work in their circumstances. Isaiah 8 verse 13 to 14 says, The Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. He will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. My friend, they are to fear God above and look only to him. He will be either their salvation or a stone of stumbling. Cromwell was once asked why he was such a brave man. You see, he had a reputation of being one of the bravest men who ever lived. His reply is an interesting one. He said, I have learned that when you fear God, you have no man to fear. That is a profound statement, my friend. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. The Lord Jesus said that either you will fall on this stone, and he is that stone for salvation. Rest upon him, who is the only foundation, and you will be saved. Or he, the stone, will fall on you, he will judge you, and it will grind you to powder. And that is the message of Matthew chapter 21 verse 44. So my friend, you have two options. You can either accept him or reject him. When you accept him, then he welcomes you and you have joy of living in eternity. You reject him, then his judgment comes upon you. There are those who sometimes ridicule things that are sacred. They make light of the things that should not be made light of. You and I need to hallow the Lord in our hearts because there are multitudes of people today who are not convinced about that. Habakkuk 2 verse 20 tells us, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. If they believed, my friend, that he is in your church today, 
they would not be at the beach. If people believed that God is in the church on a Sunday morning, they would not be at the beach. They would not be at some picnic area or out mowing the grass at the back of their yard. They would be with you in the church. You and I haven't convinced them, have we? They need to be convinced. We have a message to tell them. Now we move on to the pronouncement against spiritualism as a substitute for the word of God. Isaiah 8 verse 19 And when they say to you, Seek those who are mediums and wizards who whisper and mutter. Should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? Now, that is a warning against consulting the dead, our ancestors, the ancestral spirits. The word of God is very clear here. But let me first of all deal with the context. When a people turn from God, they generally go after the occulty and the abnormal. People through the ages have turned away from God during times of great distress. And when actually they needed to trust God most, they actually consulted those who offered false hope. The Lord strictly forbids any kinds of divination, fortune-telling, astrology, or even necromancy. The phrase, wizards, who whisper, is a reference to ventriloquists who sought to disguise their voices as representations of ghosts or spirits from another world. You see, there is a great turning today to the occult, to the spirit world, and to demonology. There are churches today of Satan in many cities of the world. The members of those churches worship the devil, and many are worshiping Satan today. Even Christians sometimes are doubling in the occult. Some people don't believe that there is any reality in it. But it is real, my friend. Just as Satan is real, Satanism is also real. God warns against such practices. Let us heed the warning. Isaiah 8 verse 21 to verse 22. They will pass through it hard, pressed, and hungry, and it shall happen when they are hungry that they will be enraged and curse their king and their God and look upward. Then they will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness, gloom of anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. Now these final verses reveal the final issue of pursuing a life of disobedience, which will lead to spiritualism. The result is dimness, darkness, and despair. Disobedience will take you there every time, my friend. Now, I would like to end this study today by making a quote from the Word in Life Study Bible. That footnote is entitled, Be Careful of Counsel. As you make decisions and strategize plans, you will do well to gain counsel from wise, trusted confidence. In fact, Proverbs says that utilizing input from many counselors offers safety, according to Proverbs 11 verse 14. Their variety of opinions tends to ensure success. The people of Isaiah's day could have benefited by heeding wise counsel, 
but they had a hard time distinguishing good counsel from bad counsel. So, Isaiah contrasted the two. Reliable counsel is like this. Reliable counsel listens carefully to God. Reliable counsel is not quick to identify conspiracies. Reliable counsel avoids acting solely out of fear. Reliable counsel praises and respects the Lord. On the other hand, unreliable counsel ignores God's law and testimony. Unreliable counsel allows anger to distort things. It also leads to trouble and anguish. My friend, can you identify the sources of good and bad counsel in your life? Would anyone be able to mention you as a source of wise counsel and advice? You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code two seven followed by 7264144475 from within south africa it's 0726414475